From the eyes of the world, chained, never to be released. But now it wants to get out. Stay tuned to Cliff Central weekdays to find out how you can unleash the Jeep Renegade. Find hidden codes and videos posted by Jeep SA, and you could win Jeep Renegade prizes. As well as become the person to single-handedly unleash the Jeep Renegade upon the shores of South Africa. Are you renegade enough? Visit unleashrenegade.co.za to find out. T's and C's apply. Good morning, fabulous Fabsters, as we get into this beautiful Thursday morning, holding it right here at the Cliff Central. I am Lisa Gumba Regisford with the fabulous Fashion Lab team in studio today. Joining us is my co-host, Morwick Peterson. Good morning, fabulous Fabsters. And our fabulous in-house trend analyst, Kayla Stambul. Good morning, everybody. Wow. So just a quick intro um, just about the Fashion Lab team and what we do. Um, this is the show that dissects the business behind fashion. And obviously the main objective of the Fashion Lab show is to empower the general public, uh, the designers, the retailers, the stakeholders, any stakeholders, just to ensure that when we are done with our discussions and debates today, you can live with an in-depth understanding of what African fashion industry is doing today and how we as Africans can develop the fashion industry and the business behind this amazing industry. Once again, a very good morning to all our fabulous Fabsters. My name is Maureen Peterson, and I'm one of the co-hosts of this dynamic show that will be looking into key factors such as fashion business, education, culture, demensifying stereotypes, and congruent with a social exchange angle specifically on fashion. This is going to be an amazing show. Good morning, everybody. I'm Kayla Stamble. As Liz just mentioned, I'm our in-house trend analyst. I'm also a fashion blogger, so you can trust me to keep you up to date with the latest fashions. I'm really proud to be part of the Fashion Lab team, mainly because it is the first fashion business radio show to go live in Africa, which is absolutely amazing. Sharp, unapologetic, robust engagement and forthright debate will be the ethos of this show to ensure that we deliver the best content to you. Great stuff. Today we'll be, side, we'll be um, dissecting, like we do in the lab, um, one of the most controversial topics um, within the African fashion industry. We want to redefine um, African fashion. We want to speak about the business behind it and the role that African print plays mm-hmm. in the fashion industry and beyond. Obviously, like I said, we're going to be talking Vlisco. We are going to be talking Burberry. We're going to be talking Africa, what we are bringing and how it's... Um, working for us and how it can work for us. We will be joined in studio today by Punk and Ivy, a powerful design duo focused on African-inspired spot slacks. And we will also be joined in studio by Deanne Regisford, a contemporary creator who's involved in the arts and fashion industry. Um, so I, I look forward to, to this. I'm, I'm very excited. Before we go any further, I just want to ask you guys, this is something that's been sitting on me for such a long time. But you guys, do you guys know who's the new face of Hullwoods? Yeah, Pharrell. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying that just because Trevor Noah is on the other side doesn't mean that we now need to have Pharrell on this side. But let's talk about that a bit. I really just want to jump onto the design competition that they're currently running. Basically, you design a T-shirt that celebrates sustainability and Pharrell himself will choose the winning T-shirt and there's a grand prize of X amount. 
I mean, really, Woolworths, how about we add some African fashion designer labels to your stores nationwide? For me, unfortunately, it's just not good enough for me. Exactly, exactly. And I think, let me just share this with you. Um, and I mean, I take my hat off for them for what they're trying to achieve, but I just want to bring this in and throw this in. And um, the revenue that Woolworths brings in is about 35.399 billion 2013 and their net income wow. is 2.638 billion. So I mean, I guess they have the money to bring someone in, you know, that cost a hundred million. <laughs> I mean, like seriously, how much did he cost? And exactly. Then, and then raising money to do what? To well, educate education. South Africans. Yeah. And, and they, how much did they pay him? <laughs> I, I have no idea. <laughs> so maybe if they didn't pay him, they could have found someone. I mean, there's got to be someone who can talk about education and, and empower the South Africans in Africa. Okay. But let me just, I'm, I'm so sorry. I just want to quickly read the statement that I found online to you guys and you guys let me know. Um, and I quote, Williams on Friday said um, that Hallwoods was a global bl- blueprint for how good business should do business and that his collaboration with a retailer was aimed at uplifting education in South Africa, food farming that goes easy on the planet and hoped it would create fashion that was just not cool, but also sustainable. I mean... So what we need for Raoul to improve our education and sustainability, yes. um, I don't get it. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just not on it. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it either. But my thing again is because we want to play a big role in making sure that we develop our own, yeah. we work within our space. And, and we grow as Africa. It's very strange. Is there a Woolworths in New York? Someone please tell me. <laughs> no. Did no, you see anyone no. who's been traveling something in L- LA? No, uh, no. 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 So I feel like, um, there's, it's time to also, also refocus energies and say, you know, for a big, um, department store or store like Woolworths and yes. how much they're bringing in and how much impact they have because obviously they're not just operating in Africa. I mean, in South Africa, they're operating in other countries within Africa. Yeah. Yes. I feel like this is the time where Woolworths should be able to take a stand and say, you know what, for us to, for, I mean, it sounds very good what you just read exactly. out. Of course, it sounds exactly. good on paper. Exactly. But, but that's not the reality. Where are the local designers um, within this store? Absolutely. Which brands are they carrying in the store? For them to be able to say they're playing a role within the African space, as much as they're playing on the, on the, on the, on the, on the, on the you know, I mean, they're on the background and yeah. not just background, they're on the front ground, what are they really doing to develop the African fashion industry? And as a young designer myself, I know how difficult it is to enter the market. I know the challenges that I've been faced with trying to enter the fashion industry. And Liz, you as well, as a fashion designer, I mean, has your brand ever been considered? Look, to at, be look at me, am I smiling? <laughs> exactly. Why don't you take that $100 million and pump it directly into a fund that goes directly into the upliftment and a kickstart for local upcoming fashion designers? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's that simple. Instead of bringing in some one that cost about a hundred million and then still trying to raise money on top of that. Take that money and alleviate the problem, Liz. I wonder what our audience would be thinking. It's interesting to be able to um, get feedback from the listeners as well and just see how they feel about this. I mean, we've got Woolworths, we've got Pharrell holding it down in the house where there's some really <laughs> big names and big people and, and, and brilliant minds who can take um, education and whatever else they say they're doing with Pharrell here to a whole new level. Anyway, um, I'm sure the lines are open for any comments um, from our listeners. And um, 
we will uh, all right so let's start the show so Liz just to give everybody a brief info on what a trend analyst actually is because I'm sure that there are some of you out there that's like okay so what is a trend analyst yes, yes. so basically a, f- a fashion trend analyst um, are responsible for spotting upcoming trends and products they track modern trends analyze buying patterns of consumers and make predictions regarding future trends and what's really interesting um, is that they research past trends to attempt to determine the factors that are likely to um, affect upcoming trends. And in order to really execute this successfully, you need to have a genuine respect for fashion and couture, as well as historical knowledge on the history of fashion. Wow. Very wow. nice. Back to our topic of the day. We are saying we want to really sit down and dissect what African fashion really is. Absolutely. The business behind it and what we as Africans are doing to change the game. Absolutely. I just also just sorry, Liz. Just to also because you've mentioned of our social media platforms, just to let everyone know if you want to tweet us right here in the Cliff Central Studio, it is at cliffcentral.com. Um, also tweet us. Um, all our social media platforms is at Fashion Lab Africa. I mean, I'm very excited. We have Punk and Ivy. They're waiting outside for us. I mean, they are just incredible fashion. Innovators. I mean, what they're doing and the concept that they've brought into South Africa, absolutely something brand new, Liz. Talking about innovativeness, this is it, you know? <laughs> the whole mobile thing, I find I just was um, looking up um, on Punk and Ivy and I was so excited because I thought that this is definitely who changed the game. These are one of the trendsetters or the game changers in the industry and just being able to take fashion to the people in their little mobile little thing is just a cool thing, I think. Um, when we talk about African fashion, before we bring um, Punk and Ivy in to join us in studio today, Kayla, what are your thoughts? And as much as, you, yes, you are analyzing trends, what are your thoughts on the whole notion of African print is African fashion versus if you don't design with using African print, then you're not African fashion designer enough? Or Yeah. Just, um, yeah. <laughs> so um, when we think about African fashion, let's face it, the first thing that pops in everybody's mind is most likely to be what we consider African prints, inverted commas. Yes. But is that really all that defines African fashion? As designers, do we feel... Um, you know, for lack of a better word, less African when we don't adhere to this, when we don't have um, what people consider to be African prints in um, our designs. And But most importantly, what do people around the world define us as Africans, you know? And um, what is our aesthetic? When you take away that print, are you still an African fashion designer or are you just like, where where do you fit in? Absolutely, absolutely. And I just wanted to quickly make a point on that, Kayla, because, I mean, is the African print based on cultural and tribal indigenous, you know, of the African continent? Because a lot of times, and I'm taking it now, you know, abroad out of on the African continent, that people have these assumptions that the whole Africa is just one country. But, you know, within Africa, we have all these different countries and everyone have has their own, you know, Different um, tribes, like different tribes and cultures. Tribes. I mean, I'm taking it quickly into South Africa. Yeah. We have the Zulu, the Tosa, the Indibele, the Swati. And we can go on and on and on and on. So I think basically, is it that we can say that African print is maybe our history and where we come from and who we are as individuals on the African continent, Liz? I think for me, this is again one of those very challenging, <laughs> um, topics or very controversial topics, but I feel as a, as a fashion designer in Africa who is also of the African descent, 
if I have a label, Liz Ogumbo, on your dress or your jacket or your pants, please understand that that piece, I don't care if it has a print you think is African or not, <laughs> that piece is African because Liz Ogumbo designed it and that's the end of my story and I'm sticking to it. Yeah. So it's about also honing your space and, and, and saying, you know what, as an African fashion designer, if I want to put petals all over my, if I want to come up with lines and dots and flowers flying in between the print and design my own, own print, then I have power. If I want to buy from Vlisco, okay, on yes. the flip side, yeah. Vlisco have come up with beautiful prints. They've been in the business for God knows how many centuries. Yes. And when they come up with their prints, they sell it to the world and they sell mm-hmm. it as African print. But the question is, Whose print is that? Exactly. So, I mean, isn't yes. it a company in Holland? Yes. yes. C'est véritable hollandaise. Excusez-moi, je vais te dire en français alors. Hein? Attention. So they're in Holland and they yes. sell an African prints to us as African prints. Yes. But Kayla, I still say, forget about the jokes you're trying to make right now in the studio. <laughs> let's stay, let's keep, let's keep it, let's keep it locked. The truth is, if you don't, as an African fashion designer, start printing your own prints, designing your exactly. own prints, you exactly. can just go under the table and, and hide and, da- and, exactly. and fall. <laughs> because really, if you're not, if you're not in charge of your print, it's not your print. I don't exactly. care. So if you want to call it African print because it has colorful things that look like Ghana or that lo- remind you of other parts of Africa, that's, that's fine, but that's not your print. And this is where the fashion behind the, the show that dissects the business behind fashion comes to also empower and inform the people who are coming up within the industry to say, start printing your own fabric so that it is originally yours. If 10 African designers in one year, each year, are able to print their own prints and put their own shows out, it'll give us so much more leverage. It'll give us, we will be running things. Yeah. That's when you're running things. Yeah. If you're buying Vlisco and you think you got the best print, you're not running things. Liz, I think that is absolutely phenomenal, that statement that you just made. And I am so excited and for real that Punk and I is here because they are a duo, you know, that concentrates on actually designing their own textile, Wonderful. you know, for all their garments that they make. And I mean, that is, that is exactly what you just said. It defines exactly who you are as a designer and the difference, what makes you different from the rest. It's time to empower yourself. It's time to take charge of your space. We are holding it down right here at the Cliff Central with the Fashion Lab team. The lines are open. You can join us on WeChat at Cliff Central. And uh, we will be coming in with a fabulous... Uh, fabulous Punk and Ivy. Yeah. Hey, America, let's turn it up. Let's check out our Thank you so much for joining us. You're listening to Fashion Lab at Cliff Central. Just a few reads from our social media. Mfundo commented and said, this is putting local musicians to a lower standard. Corporates would rather take a B-class American song and pay $2 million instead of 500 k for local class act. And um, Carly has said, AKA on your vest um, would have done it. I don't see why they went international. I absolutely agree with you guys. Me Thank too. you so much for Me commenting. Too. Me too. And in studio, we've got Punk and Ivy. Hello, guys. Hi, how are you doing? <laughs> Welcome to the show, guys. It's Thank very you. nice to have you. Oh, thank you for having us. <laughs> so how are you guys feeling today? You look so fabulous. Is that your print? I see you wearing Yeah. Yes, it is. It's a print you we created. It's an print. How often do you guys create this print? If I, if, this print is the if first. I ask. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, I'm, after like just some research before, we'd use different um, 
fabrics, prints, and it's exactly what you guys are talking about. Yeah. Um, and then we just found that you know you don't actually get that signature um, feel of a design if for your own label or for your own designs. You can't really be different or exclusive mm-hmm. or just have your own identity if you know anyone can pick up that print and just do whatever they do. And sometimes that in itself, your print, your design could be dope, and then someone else has the same fabric but the yeah. design is crap. And, yeah. then <laughs> and then they bash it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So tell us, guys, who is Punk and Ivy and what role do you think um, you're playing within the African fashion industry space today? Okay. Um, Punk and Ivy consists of myself and my wife, Kaya Bubesi, and Bianca Sibia. Um, we do menswear with an androgynous twist. And we are really focused on just creating our own identity because we, we see ourselves as part of the global village. And, you know, we want our designs to stand out whether they've been worn locally or globally. Um, and yeah, so our aesthetic is just based on that. And that's why we even decided to go the androgynous route where, you know, we kind of just smash all preconceived notions of what Man or what females could wear You know I mean there's a lot of stuff that we could do Which is very unisex And I mean our body shapes Myself and my partner We're actually the same size and everything So we actually share clothes <laughs> That's like, where it started <laughs> you know. team. So it means love we have it. a lot of unisex um, Yeah 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 love it. Totally love Totally it. Yeah. I love that. I think that's um, the way that fashion is going right now um, with the unisex clothing. I mean, soon we won't even be able to define what's for men, what's for women. And um, as African-inspired sportswear and streetwear with an androgynous twist, how often do you consider um, what's happening around the world globally trend-wise and how do you um, adapt that to what you're doing? Um, you know, with trends, usually just, it's, it's such like, it's a mind state thing. Our brand is very street. So, you know, whatever happens on the street, we always keep our finger on the pulse. And we also just part of all the gigs and all that new wave of cool kids. Yeah. We're right there. We're like right in the front, just right in the wave, you know, like, ah, okay, somebody it. gotta notice, somebody gotta notice. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we're always online. We're always checking out what's happening. Like I said earlier, we're like part of the global village. So, Anything is accessible right now, you know. You connect with people in Asia, you connect with people in Europe or whatever, just over a screen and just like share ideas and actually see what they're doing, their Instagrams and just, you know, checking out blogs and so forth. So, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. And I must say, like, you guys walked into the studio now and I looked at your clothing that you're wearing and I even said to Bianca, yeah. you look absolutely amazing. And the first thing Bianca says, because I'm a mother. <laughs> <laughs> It's true though. But I mean, you look absolutely amazing. You guys are launching, you, you have launched already into, um, legit, so you're just having an official, um, press release, like little mm. fashion show. Like to all our young designers, you know, and local people, what's the process like? And how difficult is it going from, you know, being a niche market into mass production? Because I mean, that is one thing that local designers are struggling with in South mm. Africa right now is the production of mass mm. garments. I think we are definitely facing a major crisis in South Africa. Mm-hmm. I think if you're a young designer, you have so many challenges. Firstly, you need money yes. to be able to make stuff. Yes. In order to produce garments, you've got to find a reliable company in order to produce your garments because that means you have volume, which means you move more product, which means you make your money back. Um, and we are in that very same position. You know, I mean, the legit deal aside, we are literally working with different CMTs, different designers, yes. different, not designers, different tailors, mm-hmm. um, and different individuals to, in order to put our capsule collection together. So yes. there's a lot of challenges. And I think it's, it's frustrating because the creative economy needs to be supported on a national level, on a governmental level. 
And I don't think the young people in South Africa are feeling like they have support in any way, shape or form. So unless you have a bulk of money in order to make stuff, you cannot produce anything. So we were in a position where we had to literally pull out our own funds and fund our own business. Yeah. You know, I mean, much like anything, when you start up, you've got to be able to put something in order to see something come out of it. Um, wow, Bianca. Um, it's it's I, challenging. I was going to say, how is, um, when it comes to mass um, production, because mm. I'm feeling like this is where you're now going, when you're partnering with an, um, a, a shop like Legit, obviously you're going to have to produce in mass mm. and you're going to have to do it consistently. Could you tell our listeners or share with us how... What are you talking number-wise? And what do you guys have? Have you had a situation where have you thought about Plan B when things are late? What you know? Could you explain mm. to us that process of numbers-wise? What are we talking units? And then how consistently do you have to reproduce? And how do you even plan that from your back end mm. as well? And how do you manage that to make sure that you don't disappoint and lose the deal or mm. or breach the, the? Well, thankfully with Legit, they do have their own factories, so they produce all the garments. Very so nice. as designers, we literally, you know, we we presented a, a collection, which went from I think fifty odd pieces down to thirty odd, which is now in stores. Um, and we also had to make all the samples, which were then sent to their own CMT to reproduce. So in that aspect, we weren't necessarily working in mass volumes. It was just about, you know, presenting sketches and then presenting the actual garments and the prints, which we made for them as well. So thankfully, there wasn't um, a pressure on us to produce all the hundreds of thousands of volumes of units that go into their 235 stores. Um, but in terms of our own work, we only produce very minimal units of stuff because I don't think it's exclusivity necessarily. I think it's just about, you know, seasons are changing so quickly and people's tastes change so quickly. Absolutely. So with our own collection, we only made, I think, about 10 on the size curve per style. And then within that style, there were color colorways that you could choose from. Because um, we also want to be able to make fresh stuff, you know, every three months. Very interesting. As opposed to having a volume of stuff that you're sitting with for six months and you mm. don't move it quick enough, mm. you know. And also it gives you an idea of how to track demand. Yes. And have a sense of what people like. And then you know, also we, we do a lot of bespoke stuff as well. Mm-hmm. So a lot of our garments on the rail that people have seen in the motique, they've been like, you know what, I like this, but can I have it in a black? And we're like, yes, of course. Yes. So it creates, yes. it gives us an opportunity to also push what we think works in the market space and also work with what clients want. So I think there's a lot of money to made in the bespoke arena. Absolutely. Punk and Ivy, everyone. I mean, something that's very, very interesting, you know, when I read your bio is that you have conceptualized a motique, yeah. a boutique yeah. on wheels that That's actually amazing. comes to the consumer. I mean, please come to my house. Please come to the studio. Come to the street. And you can dress the whole of Cliff Central, right? Yeah. Totally. Please take us through, um, Kai, please take us through that process and how that came all about for you deciding, you know what, we are going to take the clothing to the people. Yeah, um, you know, while we were traveling in Asia, we just realized, you know, the, the, the shopping hours just extended. There was no 9 to 5 or anything like that. And, you know, you could pop out at 11 or 12 midnight and you mm-hmm. could still be able to shop. And in South Africa, we, we do have that limitation where, you know, retail is based on 9 till 5 or yes. 6 during the week and even yes. on weekends where, you know, and then when you look at people who work, they're in office all day during those 9 to 5 hours. So how do you balance? And, um, you know, for us, I mean, I'm, I've been a stylist for years. Yes. So I'm friends with a lot of designers, but then, you know, Watching their mistakes, it'll be like everyone just rushes to open a shop first. And then it's like, how's it going? Oh, damn, I have to pay rent. Oh, I have to get people there and whatever. And so it's like, okay, cool. How do we actually just make it mobile and just cut that out? Because starting out as as, as an entrepreneur, overheads like rent, if you can avoid that completely... 
avoid it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at first we wanted an Airstream, just like a little caravan or something that will just, like a trailer of sorts and whatever. And then we were online, online and checking and then we found this motorhome. It's a 1980, no, 1975 Dodge motorhome. So it was like a full on, it had a bedroom, a kitchen, a shower, all that stuff. It was junk, junk, but it had a V8 engine. So that made us quite excited. Exactly. And the engine was quite on point. So. You know, we found it in Paul, Nohal. And then at that time, it, it doesn't fit on a, tr- on, on a train because yes. it's too high. And then the trucks were going through a strike. So we had this mission of trying to get it up here, but we eventually did. And then and we've been building it for like a year and a half. Um, you know, obviously we did the 3D sketches and we said, wow, okay, this is, space yeah. is perfect. It's huge, this thing. It's nine yeah. meters long. Yeah. Wow. So we could fit like about 10 people in there. Um, so we've pimped it out. It's got an office in the back, um, shopping space in the middle. Um, it drives itself. Um, <laughs> well, we drive it. Well, yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to say, please. Yeah, exactly. Wow. <laughs> Michael wow. Knight vibes. <laughs> I wanted to say. We could that. take it there. So, wow. our, instead of paying rent, we pay petrol. Yeah. Very nice. Very, Very nice. Cool. This is so innovative. And again, yeah. when we sit and talk about the business behind fashion, people need to realize, especially as Africa and as powerful as we are, is you don't need to ha- have the best store and the most glossy store no. and you're just starting out and you really haven't felt your fit on exactly. the ground. Mm. Start with whatever way. If you can find a small showroom space, if you can find a nice uh, innovative way like Punk and yeah. Ivy are holding it down here, whatever way. But there's so many innovative ways um, to be able to start. And also, like I said, it's a business. It's mm. no longer, mm-hmm. you can't just be in it for entertainment or for fun. Mm. It's a business People need to get serious and say, if this is a business I'm starting, what is it? Where do we start? You cannot be paying rent for 30000 mm. and you don't even know yeah. which direction we're going. Yeah. So I think you guys are doing a fantastic job. And I Thank feel you. like you guys are innovators in Africa. You are people for, I mean, you are people we need to look at and the industry needs to look at and say, what can we take out of there? We don't have to do things the same. Mm. Yeah, you totally. can do your way. And as long as you make business sense. Absolutely true. Kayla? And just to take us back to the comments, um, Veronica commented to say, let's be honest, guys. Corporate is all about investment. There is more attraction in bringing an international artist um, than there is a local artist. And you know what? That is just how big our companies are. Let's mm-hmm. face it. It's all about making money f- for them. Yeah. That's why I said I'm not sold on the Pharrell thing. I'm not sold that, oh, it's for sustainability. It's about money. It's about making their brand cooler, more popular. Pharrell is what's happening right now. So um, that's what they do. And and that is exactly why they would not use a local artist. And I completely agree with what Veronica has said. I'm sorry. I'm not on the same page. Mm. Uh, how is... How is Pharrell? How is Pharrell? Who is Pharrell relevant to here? So in relevant. Africa, yeah. Tell me. Punk well, and he's Ivy, got a really great, guests. amazing range of sneakers with Adidas. <laughs> I have to say, yeah. I know, but yeah. I'm just saying from a but from a from a an influencer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess from a street point of view, you know, his music is definitely relevant. But in terms of the design space. I mean, I'm sure people will tag onto it. You know, he is are you, Pharrell Are you inspired by him? Are you happy he's the face of Woolworths? Do you feel like it's going to bring some value? Um, you know, for me, I think it's 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 a two way thing. I dig Pharrell. I love his music, whatever, whatever. But in terms of upliftment and actually just developing now that the, the fashion industry, they should have used someone local. Absolutely, I completely. Would it sell much. though? Exactly. I mean, we have I look to at you two. Sorry, I look at you two, and I'm like, why are you not the face? Why are you not the face? Why am I not exactly. the face? Why am I not the face? <laughs> why is Punk and Ivy not involved? Yeah. You know, and, and I think there's some, this also brings something onto my brain that I always think about is when you're in the creative economy as Africans, every single thing that we do needs to capture our anthropological existence. 
and I don't think that Woolworths necessarily is thinking in that space right now. You yeah. know, yeah. we're using all of these different platforms, whether it's fashion, it's music, it's film, and everything that we create nowadays needs to be a reflection of our times as Africa and how we package ourselves to the world. Very true. And I don't think this deal necessarily with Woolworths would do that as much as it will expose the brand to a global market, which Absolutely. they wouldn't necessarily. So there's mm-hmm. benefit in it for them. I get why they're doing yes. it. Yes, and we respect that too. Absolutely. Yes. But for me or for my brand specifically, I think it's important to keep things as African as possible where it makes sense. Just something that I want to throw in and it just came to my mind too and something again that I find super interesting because you guys are incredible fashion innovators. You know what I'm saying? Thank you. And I'm just thinking to myself that you're taking really and understanding the business behind fashion because actually you guys also rent your van out yes. to people, for example, smaller business, yes, smaller for brands designers. and events. Please and just stuff. let's go just uh, briefly into that. <laughs> well, I mean, the idea of renting out the boutique really—I mean, it's only literally been in the last three weeks that we've put this out there. But the idea is. As a vehicle and, and as a concept, it needs to be made available to other people as well. I don't think it's something that we should necessarily own exclusively. I mean, the mobile trade thing, it's, it's a no-brainer. It's been around forever. You can buy plates on the side of the road. There's Chisanyamas in mobile caravans. So yeah. the concept is not necessarily new. I think maybe the vehicle itself is quite an anomaly in the market space. So we want to definitely put it out there to different brands and individuals to say, yes, it is available for rent. You know, we, We've designed it in such a way that it's very clean on the inside. Um, I mean, besides people cooking in there, which we don't want, we can pretty much open it to yeah. pretty much any market for any activations, whether it's eyewear or fashion or, yeah. you know. So, I mean, f- like if you guys had a, an event somewhere and you probably had like merchandise, you could use it as a space to actually sell your merchandise. Well, you could out shoot of, no, out definitely. There, Thank you. you. Set definitely. up your we studio will, in there. Yes, yeah. We will definitely. definitely take you up on that. Totally. Um, I've just, I'm looking at this fabulous woman uh, outside here. I can see the red hair. I can see the African braids. Queen registered. Madame yes. Queen Regis Diane herself (laughs) in studio with us. Um, who, um, I think that Diane will just come in and join us. Um, Diane is definitely our other guest, um, in studio today and she will be also, um, joining us in this conversation. Um, tech, you know, talking about and dissecting what African fashion really is, where we want to take it to from a business perspective, what we are doing and as Africans, what role we are playing in bringing this game from. From from Z to A, absolutely, so, <laughs> yes, yeah, so absolutely, Liz. I just want to say too. I mean, if with Diane, if you think my hair is crazy, we are going to take a picture of it. Diane's hair. I mean, she's in competition with me. It's it's game on. It's game on. <laughs> but Punk and Ivy, um, the last question that I want to ask you guys, um, what's next? And are you looking into taking your brand into Africa and beyond? Absolutely, yeah, totally. I mean, with the legit collaboration, we are going to be doing a roadshow. Um, which will be Cape Town, Durban, um, Botswana, wow. and Angola. Wow. So I think it's those four to start with. And then going forth, we will be taking our boutique everywhere, actually. Um, and besides just being our own stockists, I think there will be other boutiques that we we'll collaborate with and then we export stuff and just, you know, be in different places at the same time. That's why you guys are known as the fashion innovators. I mean, how can people get hold of you? Please, if you guys can just let our listeners know, our fabsters know, how yeah. can we get hold of the fabulous punk and Ivy? I mean, um, they're rocking. All of our contact details are on all of our different platforms. So it's punk and as in A-N-D-I-V-Y on Instagram, on Twitter and on Facebook. And then our email address and cell phone number is on all of those profiles. 
You've Please had it. stay in touch. We'd You've love to hear from you. <laughs> You've had it all, like we're holding it down here again. Like I said, this is Punk and Ivy, a powerful design duo focused on African-inspired spot slacks and streetwear, changing the game in a way you don't even know. Deanne Regisford is in studio with us today, a contemporary creator involved in the arts and fashion industry. And she also describes herself as the urban indigene. Very interesting. In français, je veux dire que elle va expliquer ça. Okay, let's thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. You're listening to uh, Fashion Lab on Cliff Central. Just to go back to our comments, Inappropriate has commented, Guys, what the fuck is wrong with Gavin Roger, copycat? <laughs> and he has wow. also said, um, What do you guys think about opening an onla- online store like Spree? Um, I guess that was for um, Punk and Ivy. So yeah. just on the Gavin Roger thing a little bit quick. Um, what do you, Liz, Mo, what, do you, what is your comments on that? I'll throw it to Liz first before I go. <laughs> you know what I'll do? Because we have a f- fabulous guest in the studio. We have Deanne Regisford. I think, Deanne, um, we would like you to join into the conversation because this one is a bit too heavy for me. <laughs> and like I said, because we are sitting here in studio today dissecting um, the business behind fashion, focusing on a very controversial topic that is um, redefining what Africa fashion really is and basically also seeing how we as uh, industry players can be able to change the game so that we can grow as a business, we can develop the industry. Deanne Regisford in studio. Welcome, Diane. Good morning, good morning, good morning. <laughs> the urban indigene is in the house. I mean, you look absolutely beautiful. I mean, are you competing with me, with, with her? I mean, is it a competition? What, what's going on Darling, here? in life there's no competition. <laughs> you know, it goes back to this idea of being the indigene. You know, we want radical changes in the industry that you talk about. I believe it starts with us. It, believes, it starts with where we are in ourselves internally and how we set our foot down wherever we are. So when I talk about the urban indigen, I'm embracing this idea of indigeneity. What does it really mean? Yes. Who belongs, who doesn't belong? Yes. Links to African fashion for me, because as an African in my soul, in my heritage, who is also an urban nomad, you know, who comes from Caribbean origin, wow. who has lived in different countries across the African continent most of her life, who jets back and forth. It's not about a jet set lifestyle. That's not what I'm talking about. But who also has roots in Europe. Wow. Who has heritage in Europe. Like it or not, I spent many years facing it, yes. you know, and fighting it. And one day I said, no, let me embrace all of this and call myself the urban indigen. Huh. And what that means is that wherever I am, I take the rootedness of who I am, bring the ancient forward to the contemporary space, and bring it up like what you're seeing in front of you. Beautifully now. said. And I mean, I think your hair really represents that too. It's absolutely beautiful. Diane. Thank you absolutely. so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, we've been unwrapping African fashion on the show. It has been our topic for the day. And just to pose a question to you, Deanne, what is your take on African fashion? Fashion. You know, I think there's a distinction between fashion and style for me. Very true. Very absolutely. True. And what is African links directly to the idea of indigeneity. So it speaks to a place. It speaks to a geographical location. But to me, it also speaks to a life philosophy. Numerous. It speaks to an energy that's in the world. Mm -hmm. We know that it's just hot to have some kind of African something in your collection, right? Yes. 
So what fashion means to me and what style means to me are two different things. So I would actually go on the style aspect of it. I think fashion to me speaks um, commercial. It speaks to some kind of economy. And I think the fact that Africa is being recognized in the globe is fabulous. So on a global scale, it's fabulous. That evokes questions for me of what we own, how much we own. And I know you've been discussing all those elements this morning. When it comes to style, I think, again, going back to this idea of we create who we are. We're all creators. I believe every single person is an artist. Yes. We have such a rich heritage. African fashion, for me, at the cutting edge, is that evocation of where we come from placed in a global context. Wow. Wow. As opposed to the prints on our back or whatever is happening no, it could in be culture. expressing the prints yeah. on your back, you know. And I think this prints on our back or the prints within an African print fabric mm-hmm. carry so much. When I talk about that wealth of culture, symbols, if I yes. think about how fabric is used, when yes. I'm being courted, you know, I'm very old-fashioned at heart. You no, know? I can see. I can see. And I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I can I'm see that. I'm very old-fashioned at heart. But, you know, I'm still an urban indigene. You know, yeah. I'm contemporary, yeah. right? But, you know, if you're a guy and you're courting me, if you don't bring me some fabric, you know, it, I have to ask some questions because it's part of the chivalrous approach that I, I, I understand. You know, I've been yeah. cultivated in this idea that when you are trying to court me, you're trying to woo me, yes. which you must do, you know, it's, it's necessary. But, you know, there's certain actions. Bring me some fabric. I'm talking to the symbolism mm. of African prints. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. It carries such weight with it. It's just a gesture. Offer me this thing. I want to see you adorned. There's a certain, in French we say, Liz, you know, resplendissance. You know, when you're, yeah, it's like, you know, when you are, you you are resplendently dressed, you know, there's a certain regal aspect to it. And I think we shouldn't in this conversation lose the heritage of where our fabric comes from. Exactly. But then you'll be in another context. I was doing a um, a residency in Senegal um, in September last year. And I use African print, print fabric in my sculpture work. Yes. So I was using collage. I'm not going to give all my secrets away. <laughs> but I use the, the, the calabash as a base. And I use, um, in a collage approach, African fabric. And the artist that I was collaborating with was saying, why do you people in the West like this African fabric? It's not ours. It doesn't come. We don't make it. Yes. But we did mm-hmm. at some point, mm-hmm. you know. And I definitely saw that there was an opportunity to reappropriate African fabric, whether, you know, from an economics point of view and a production point of view, we know that manufacturing is very expensive on the continent. Yes. From a business perspective, it doesn't make sense to keep it here. That's why it's going. But there must be space, I believe, for the, um, the, the nurturing of the cottage industry. I'll never forget, 2000, I first went to Mali. Mali is known in West Africa as the center for African tie and dye. Mm. So when we're talking about African prints, number one, the quality of the cotton. I said, so I was doing research and I'm saying, I want to go, you know, I, I imagine some factories and I was with the people on the ground and they said, I said, you know, where can I go and see where all these, these fabrics are made? They said, uh, fabric's not quite, but let's go down the road and go to mama's backyard. And that's where I saw buckets of, mm-hmm. of dye. That's where I saw the technique, the handcrafted technique of folding this fabric. If you know how many layers, it's like painting, an oil painting, yeah. but on fabric. And, you know, I've gone back over the years. I, you know, I, I'm in West Africa very often. And these days you can see what has changed. Very difficult to get tie and dye of that nature because, you know, by definition, it's going to take time. And if we want to shift volume... What are we going to be doing? We're going to be mass printing it or mass manufacturing it. And then that takes away, again, this cultural aspect of 
the glory that I feel sits within our heritage of African fabric. So for wow. me, as a cultural commentator, that that's my perspective. You know, it's something to uphold, it's something to celebrate, but it doesn't necessarily define or end the definition of who I am. I think it has a place to play, a that, role to play. That is amazing, Diane. Um, tell us, Diane, how, I mean, obviously you've traveled a lot, you've got, gotten into different exhibitions to exhibit some of your work, so obviously you have an entrepreneuring spirit and you have a very good experience um, globally just being able to get into spaces to show your work. Mm. Um, could you tell us a bit about your experience in different spaces? Biennial is one of the biggest um, um, exhibitions and you mm. also got a chance to participate in that. Just give us a bit of a, a bit of just, you know, what, what your experience was and, and, and just your entrepreneuring um, side of things mm. with things like Soulfire, which is one of your projects. Sure, what you're doing sure. with the cushions and what you're doing with the, with the art. Right, right. I was invited to participate at the Dakar Biennale um, in, it was May last year, which was a, an absolute honor. I mean, it's Africa's, well, it's the globe's leading platform yeah. for contemporary African artists. So my visual art, my performance art, my sculpture, I presented paintings there, poetry and, and text. So it was a multimedia installation. And I was taken by the variety of people that came by the exhibition. I was there most of the time. You'd get everybody from your curators, so from Havana, Cuba, you know, big art biennales, uh, Cotonou, to your mama with a baby on her back. It sounds cliched, but I make this example for, you know, for a reason. She came and she looked at the pieces on the wall, and the narrative that came from her mouth, from her soul, was so touching. I spent most of my time in tears, <laughs> to be honest, because I was so touched. When you're in the studio and you're creating, I work through the night, so it's three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, and then somebody who, <clears throat> arbitrarily you would think maybe doesn't know about art or doesn't have a sensibility about art comes and just breaks down exactly what you've been doing some people would come by and say for a mother you're a mother i haven't even told them this i don't know them to create this kind of work that takes dedication you know so it was a very affirming experience it showed me that there was a place for art in everyday life because when i when i give the example of the woman with the baby on the back i'm just showing it's a quotidian example of how art can play a role so that experience was really beautiful it showed me that on a global platform you have everybody from as far as cuba um next door in Cotonou, you know benin south africa the south africans were definitely in the house there you know and, and europe congregating to celebrate african art to recognize who's pushing it forward and because it's contemporary art of course we're out of the box, you know, Incredible. everything goes. So that was fabulous. My experience in terms of Soul Fire has always been about how we, um, Soul Fire for me is the name of a brand that I created, soft furnishings that evoke a spirit and sensibility of Africa. And at that time it was a collection called The Sanctuary Space. And what I would do in my commitment to handmade, to the artisan craft that we find so prevalent. And so, I mean, the, the dignity, apart from the dignity, but the, the craft, the artisanship that we find with tailors who can freehand translate the design that I do in embroidery, not a machine. Yeah. Yes, I was celebrating that with this range. So I focused on silks and on leathers, and I would apply embroidery that you typically see on clothing onto um, soft furnishings. And that's what Soulfire was about. And, you know, we did it in very contemporary ways. Gosh, and Diane, we, we love what you're doing. We could mm. go on and on and on. I think for a it's part... It's so exciting. Yes. And, I mean, I'm sitting and just listening and listening. <laughs> <laughs> and enjoying. Could you tell us, Diane, um, as we are getting ready to wrap up mm. um, today, 
today's show, could you just leave um, the African space or the Afri- our African audience and mm. beyond with um, a word or two around um, just how you feel we can be able to get ourselves to the next level. We are yes. artists, we are fashion mm. designers, we are very creative people, but at the end of the day, we need to be able to take ourselves to the different level. Mm. We need to make business out of it. Mm. We need to be able to be the people playing a role in developing this space. Mm. Yes. Uh, what mm. can you tell our listeners today? I think... Whatever you do, it goes without saying, it has to be of the optimal quality, the best quality that you can make it. Very that's, true. that's the first thing. You know, we can't play in this game at a level unless we're actually coming with the best quality. Learn your craft. It's about a practice. It's absolutely important. So dedication to your craft is critical. And I think also, you know, getting to the next level amongst ourselves. We're here in South Africa today. I've had so many conversations this morning already. It's only nine o'clock, 10 o'clock in the morning about this Afrophobia. It's mm. a really critical thing. Yeah. It's one thing, you know, to create um, beautiful products, fashion items, etc. But it would be beautiful for me. The next level for me would be able to have a market at home. Yeah. Consumption at home, you know, so that we are buying each other's very true products. Mm. Very now that's true. a whole nother program, I'm sure. Yes. You know, <laughs> but for me, that would be my um, idea of us getting to the next level when we can create a buoyant, vibrant market in the continent. I couldn't agree with you more. And I just quickly want to ask you before because I know we're running against time. Yes. Um, what's next for Diane Richardsford? Where are you going to? Just really quick, please let us know. Art on mm-hmm. sleeve. Wow. Point. Done. wow. So that is my paintings. I only paint in oils on canvas, typically a bit of wood, but translating those into fabrics and then into a specific range, clothing, again, soft finishing. That's what's. So look out, it's coming. Thank you so much. Wow. You guys have heard it all right here. The Fashion Lab is holding it down with Diane at Cliff Central, doing what we do best. We mm-hmm. dissect the business behind fashion. Absolutely. Diane, where can everyone find your stuff? DianeRegisford.com. There you go. Plain and simple. That's it. Plain <laughs> and <laughs> simple. Thank you so much and for artist joining us. Diane Registford on Facebook. Artist Diane Registford. Thank you so okay. much for joining us, it's Diane. Been such Thank a you pleasure. so, Thank you so for much. And you me. look absolutely Stunning. amazing. Thank you so much. You all <laughs> we will take pictures so they can <laughs> we have see to. what we're talking about. We'll post everything on our Facebook page, which is Fashion Lab Africa, and as well as CliffCentral.com. Thank you so much for listening um, to us today, everybody. This is the Fashion Lab team. And any last thoughts from Liz and Mo? The show that dissects the business behind fashion. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm-mm. The business mm-hmm. behind fashion. Thank you so much for everyone that was listening to us. Thank you, thank you, and have a blessed day. From Fashion Lab, goodbye. Cliffcentral.com.